This week we have a special two-segment episode. In the first and major part of the show, we are joined by Tommy Unolis, the founder and managing director of Ops Analytica an operations management platform designed for the service industry. It's a platform that allows you to standardize operations by digitizing processes and procedures and ensures that you have consistent operations on a daily basis. It's a fascinating platform and Tommy goes into great detail explaining how it works, providing some real world examples. Tommy's had an interesting career as he started working in the hospitality industry at a young age and even spent a number of years working as a stand-up comedian. Make sure you check out the site at opsanalytica.co, or you can also contact Tommy on LinkedIn, and all those links are in the show notes as well. On the second segment of the show, which is at around the 45-minute mark of this episode, Yelena Anter returns to the podcast for a short recurring segment that will happen every few weeks. On this first installment, Yelena talks about some of the creeps she encountered while working on the Vegas Strip, plus a few additional funny stories that she has to share from earlier in her career. Make sure you check out Yelena at her website, cocktail.vision, and enjoy the show. Okay, we are back with another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name is Kip. With me is Dan. What's happening, buddy? Not much. You know, enjoying uh, this is the start of week three for back in the office or back to prison camp, as I like to call it. So, uh, (laughs) you know, enjoying that drive to add an extra couple hours of my day for no purpose. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. you know, my boss is in Europe, so (laughs) it makes sense to me. So now I can come from the office in a cramped room as opposed to the comfort of my home. So uh, first first world problems aside, all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sounds amazing. Yeah, you? And today you got to fucking drive through a snowstorm in April. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. true. It's better. How are things going with you? Things are good. Things are picking up again at the in the bar industry. People are coming back out again. So it's good. And we should mention that if you want to come visit... Me and sometimes Dan at one of these bars in Kitchener. It's uh, Babylon Sisters in Uptown Waterloo Wine Bar. And then uh, the Speakeasy Sugar Run downtown Kitchener. So you can follow us on Sugar Run Bar at Instagram, Babylon Sisters Bar as well on Instagram to find out what's going on and where you can get the password for the speakeasy, etc. Yeah, and I'll put the links as always in the show notes to everything we talk about. So we have a great guest as always coming up. We have a, actually we're trying out a new thing on this episode. We are, we have Tommy Anolis coming up very shortly to talk to, to us a little bit about opsanalytics.co. And after that, we are have an old favorite coming back who's going to be doing some um, spot appearances for us once every four episodes or so. Yelena Anter will be joining us in a little bit as well. So uh, that's something to look forward to. If you like the show, the best way you can help us out is to subscribe, rate, and review. As well, if you want to be a guest on the show, then you can email us at info at the industry club, or you can DM us directly at info or at the industry podcast on Instagram. We had a lot of good episodes in the archives that you should probably check out. We, we had recently Time Miners. Mallory Lee. Jules Orumis was on part of this one. Mallory Lee. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Jose Mariano, Fernanda Cardoso, and uh, yeah, Elena Anter was 103. And then Matt Basile, and of course, Justin Vale, and then episode 100, Matt Houston, and your wife, Janine Saunders. Right. So check out all those episodes in the archives. Rate, review, subscribe. The artwork for our show is done by Zach Hanna at zachhanna.co. You should check out all his work on, you can follow him on Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so a big shout out as always to him. And we got a big show, so we may as well get to it. Tommy Anolis, thanks for joining us on the Industry Podcast. 
Thanks, guys. I'm looking forward to it. That so you had a snowstorm today? Yeah. 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 Welcome to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like actually quite warm last week. Uh, we were hitting around uh, 17, 18, 19 Celsius, which is about 68 Fahrenheit or so around there. And then today it's uh, snowing. <laughs> well, I live in Colorado and same thing. You know, we get snow all the way through. We'll have three more major snows before it stops mid-May, late May. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we all just need to move to Florida. There's no rules there. <laughs> Tampa's the best, man. We go to Ybor City, smoke some cigars. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's just jump right into this. Basically, we wanted to spend a lot of time talking about your company. You're the founder of Ops Analytics. Oh, um, Ops Analytica. Analytica. Sorry, I already fucked it up. Uh, Ops Analytica. That's. Uh, <laughs> I, it's just because I don't have my reading glasses on. Uh, <laughs> but let's talk a little bit about what Ops Analytica does, uh, what you provide for the service industry. Sure. So Ops Analytica is an operations management platform. And what we do is we help take the guesswork out of running the business. Mainly what we do is all those paper checklists and procedures and all those things that we all have taped to the wall in our buildings that everybody likes to ignore. What we try to do is get those things off of the wall into the tablet and then get them scheduled and try to help the restaurant do a better job of running consistent operations by kind of holding them accountable to doing all of those procedures, sort of every shift, right? With the hope that if we just control what we can control better and do a little bit better job of being consistent in our execution, we can get out of our own way and we can ultimately take better care of the customer. And so that's kind of the, the premise behind it. I will be honest with you, multi-location operators seem to do better on the platform than single unit operators, especially if it's a like owner operator type situation, because you know, if you're an owner-operator, you're usually under the mindset that I'm already here. Why would I add paperwork to my life? But, you know, when you start to have multiple units, then all of a sudden you can't be in every unit every day. And you want to make sure your team's actually doing the things that they need to do to be safe and mostly clean and ready for guests. Right. So does this expand into like inventory as well? Or is it mostly just uh, temperature control and like, and like sort of the... Side duties. Yeah, Yeah, policies and procedures. It doesn't do inventory per se. I mean, you could, but it would be clunky. I'd rather just go get an inventory system if you really want to do inventory, which most people hate doing. I remember hating doing inventory. But um, it's more about operations procedures on at the daily rest at the restaurant level. It's about ops procedures, but like it's more than just a couple of checklists. Like it ends up being like you can do you can have your cash out logs in there you can have slip fall reports in there like it's any like either repeatable process or data that you need to capture and report off of or do something with but then when you get to some of the bigger chains then they start using it as the way that they manage all of their locations so they're looking at it more from the perspective of hey i've got some stupid scheduling rule in vancouver right that i got to deal with so like, so now I've got to like make sure that they don't change the schedule within two weeks or I'm going to get fined. So then they start going, okay, I need to put in a procedure in place to make sure 
that we're not messing that thing up or, hey, we have this big LTO going on and we're going to have people coming into the restaurant and we're doing advertising. I want to make sure all the table tents are up, all the signage is correct. People program their registers. So it just all of a sudden, it kind of morphs once people get a hold of it from just those daily checklists into this is how I manage all of my stores, all of my operations across my entire chain. And that's what's exciting to see. You know, we've started with a couple of guys that had three or four checklists and now they have over hundreds of them. And the data itself, how is it viewed on the uh, end user side? Is it like through dashboards or whatnot, or is it like a raw, raw data dump of some sort? Or uh, We have, uh, tell you, we have dashboards that really aggregate together all of the data. And you can kind of look at and see where your problems are and what's happening and what's also what's doing really well. And then we also have a bunch of reports that are more like data grid reports that you could dump into an Excel if you wanted to continue to do advanced analysis on it, start pivoting it or whatever. So getting a little bit more granular, like how, like, let's talk a little bit about like specifically what you'd be monitoring in these situations, like run through some of the specific things that you can do on your platform. So what's cool about our platform. So, okay, first of all, if you're talking about like, I guess we would be loosely grouped into like checklist platforms, right? So the way you get data in is through a, a digital form and then all the analytics and everything happens on the back. So what I would say is that for like our clients in the hospitality business, typical checklists that we're going to see from those guys are going to be some sort of opening procedure, both uh, in the front of the house and an opening procedure in the kitchen, which could also include prep law, prep lists, could also include just line checks. Uh, as well as food safety checks as well. And then you'll typically see those kind of opening checklists that are kind of going up to the shift, right? So those are what we call pre-checklists. Those are your typical setup checklist. Those are the typical uh, checks that you would be doing to make sure that you're ready for the rush. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen, you know, from 1130 to two or whatever it is. And then once the shift begins, occasionally people will do some flying checks during the shift, but it's not very often that people want to do that because they don't want to pull people off the rush to be like, you know, checking temps. If everything was checked up until the time, you should be good through the meal period. Then you'll see some typical post checks, make sure, you know, that we kind of like start flipping from dinner to lunch in that use case. And then you'll see some, again, food safety and readiness checks going up into the dinner time. And then at the end of the day, you'll see your sort of typical closing checklist as well, where people are sort of just running the restaurant down, uh, closing things down for the night and prepping for the next morning. So those are the kinds of checklists we do. In the system, you can, you can capture any kind of data, right? You can capture numbers for temperatures. So we can analyze temps to make sure that they're safe or not safe. We connect to digital thermometers in that use case. Uh-huh. We can analyze, uh, you know, true false is a typical checklist question. Did this happen? Yes or no. And then we can capture free text, like logs, like how was the weather today, shift logs, you know, all those kinds of things, capture dates and times, photos, pretty much, you know, all of that kind of different information. And so you can build a checklist that contains all those different aspects. But what makes our platform unique is we have an amazing business logic engine. And so we can do things that no other checklist app can do from a logic perspective. So we can analyze temperatures and then we can take you down an entire path of follow-up questions. Like, did you, okay, did you reheat this properly? Did you put it on ice? You know, we can, we can step you through all of these different attributes. And then 
And then do you guys primarily talk to single unit operators or big chains? I should have asked that. Uh, well, we talk to all sorts of different people, but I, but generally it's, uh, we haven't talked to too many, even just owner operators yet. Um, yeah, but, uh, sure. I mean, I, I am obviously one, so I'm owner operator for two spots and we have talked to a couple of people who own their own businesses in like Brazil, Costa Rica. It's, oh, nice. Yeah. But That's generally, awesome. but we haven't talked to too many people who have owned like chains. So, Got it. yeah, but I, I am sort of interested in that. Like if I was going to look at that, let's say I'm the, like, whoever GM of operations for a chain, who's probably going to be dealing with this data and rather than like the ownership group, which is probably a number of different people. Sure. Like you're looking at this data. So I can see, say like, just to bring this into our area of the world, like you were mentioning that one of your restaurants that uses your product is Jack Astor's. That's very familiar to yeah. people who are listening to this show. Let's say you're the GM of operations for a chain of Jack Astor's in Ontario. Uh, yeah. So I'm looking at the data that you provided to me on my end and I can see like, Oh, on Thursday, the April 24th, um, the location in Brampton, let's say, uh, did not uh, meet the temp requirements of a certain dish or food or like a fridge yeah. or, yeah. Absolutely. And so but what we try to do is this, because we're doing daily checklists, right? I, you know, food safety is not something we can like wait on, right? right. If you identify that the, you know, the ranch dressing is 87 degrees, which is not generally a good temperature for ranch dressing, then <laughs> like you don't like, you don't have the option in a restaurant to get, I deal with that after the rush, right? right. Like I'm going to get 80 people sick with it, but then, you know, I'll deal with it later. Yeah, yeah. So what we, our system is built in such a way with the rules where if you identify something bad, we take you through some sort of immediate remediation step. Mm. And so we want you to either like the bare minimum would be, tell us what you did to solve this. That might be the remediation. Give us a comment. Let us know what you did to solve it. In some cases it might be, Hey, take a photo, but it can get more advanced than that based on, you know, if this based on, if this was, uh, you know, made today, then you can just try to temp it, just ice bath it down. But maybe if it was made several days ago, you might want to have to toss it and get a new one because we don't know how long it's been in the danger zone. So we try to rectify all issues immediately in the checklist. We don't let them off the checklist until we've kind of solved the problems. But then once you had done and submit the thing, if it was a critical violation, like a temperature violation, if you had signed up for this, you could get notified immediately that there was a temperature violation. And then you'd be able to click on that alert and at least see what the person did. You know, did they follow the, the follow-up steps to solve it? Um, most people don't manage that tightly, though. To be honest with you, above store people don't generally manage, right. you know, getting criticals on everything. That's more of the GM or the kitchen manager's job would be to take those criticals and confirm that we did it correctly at the location level. But yes, then all that data flows into dashboards and you can get reports emailed to you. And so you can follow it. And, and generally what people are, are focusing on isn't so much the, the, the individual food safety things. It's more about is the restaurant doing the checklist that they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do them. And so we've built in this whole schedule, right? And we have sort of anti-pencil whipping measures in there too. Like you can't do your... PM line check until three o'clock to three thirty in the afternoon. You can't even start it. Type of stuff. We really we just want to get people doing the checklists. And really, when we're also like when we're coaching and we're rewarding people, it's more about did you do the checklist? You're gonna have eighty seven degree ranch dressing. What I don't care about is that you had eighty seven degree ranch dressing. What I care about is that you handled it correctly when you figured it out. Right. 
So we don't want to punish people for, we don't want to punish people for not finding problems. We want to coach them on the importance of doing the checklist. So yeah, we really want to reward people for just doing the checklist and reporting back honestly. And all incentives and everything we want to do are based around that aspect because we are relying on the team at the store to do this. And so, like I said, I don't want to yell at you for having 87 grants ranch. I want to praise you for dealing with it correctly. Right. So I have a couple of follow-up questions on that. So like when you were mentioning earlier, you get an alert. So obviously the app is probably installed by all management at the specific stores as well. So like you're saying essentially in like, like let's keep your ranch um, example going, which is easy. The 87 degree ranch, the kitchen manager gets alert on that and they know they got to do something's got to be done about it. And then you, you, once you go to deal with the situation, you then log how you dealt with it. Yes, exactly. And so what will so happen is when they type in 87 degree ranch, a little red box is like a little red sentence is going to pop up and the box is going to change color basically and say, hey, this is out of our standard, right? And we, whatever language we want to put in there is fine, but this does not meet our standard. Please tell us what you're doing to fix it. So then right there, the person on the line who took that temperature has to go, oh, I'm putting this on an ice bath or, hey, I'm going to, you know, go in the freezer or whatever they're going to do or whatever they did to fix it. Hey, I'm tossing this in the trash. We want them to record that sentence right there. Now, the statement, the warning statement we give to people can be whatever it is that your procedure is. So one of the biggest mistakes I see restaurant companies in general making when it comes to these checklists is they're relying on the kitchen manager to do it by Mm. himself. One of the cool things about our platform is that multiple people can be working the same checklist simultaneously, just like a Google doc, right? Or a Google spreadsheet. So the best thing, because here's what happens, right? Just in general, and this is my little diatribe, but people don't like, if you come to me with a 45 minute line check and I'm the kitchen manager and I have, I got to do it between 1030 and 1130 when we open in that time period, I'm going to get asked for my keys 65 times. I'm going to get 50 questions you know, and I'm just going to get inundated with like deliveries and there's going to be a repair and uh, a food, an idiot, new food salesman is going to show up and try to sell me food at 1030 in the morning, you know, and I'm going to be like, I'll never get it done. And so, and that's the biggest mistake the industry makes as a whole is the managers feel like they're the only ones who can do this. And that's not right. Like we built in this ability, collaborations, what we call it, that multiple people can be doing this checklist what should be happening is that I should be having the, the, the company tablet. I should hand it to my guy on saute and I should say, do your station. Here's the thermometer. I'm going to the walk-ins in the storage room and the dish pit. And I'd be on my phone doing it on that, on the company Wi-Fi, right? And then when you're done in saute, you hand it to pantry and have him go do his station. And then four of us can take five minutes each and do our stations and crowdsource this thing together as a team and get the whole thing done in 15 minutes total versus one guy trying to do it in 45 minutes. That's a huge mistake that we make as a whole in the industry, but that's also dependent on what's happening. So like the message in that use case, I would have the message say, Hey, this ranch dressing is, you know, not in standard, grab the kitchen manager real quick and let him know. And then he can come over and go, oh, we can ice back that or we should toss it and have him make the decision, then write the comment in, hey, I made the decision to toss it 
and then, you know, move on and then just go get a new ranch dressing and keep moving. But so you, you can also kind of like track wasted in a way for this as well, right? Because if, absolutely. If, if the fucking solution for this guy every time is toss it, then you're going to start yeah. to be like, well, maybe we can come up with, maybe we can problem solve a little bit better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, and exactly. And like, so the cool thing about this platform is this, is that even in your, you're an owner operator, right? Yeah. So you're either in the kitchen or you're in the front of the house or you're in the office or you're running between two of your locations. Yeah. So you're not in one all the time. So you're paying people to look out for your interests, right? right? And throwing away a quart of ranch dressing every time is not looking out for your interests. No. Like, it's actually just, and and it's one of those things that because you're not in the kitchen when he does it, you don't know that it happened until you look at your food costs at the end of the week or the end of the month, and you're like, man, why can we never get under 37% or whatever that number is, right? Like, you start to get frustrated and you can't figure it out. And it's because people are doing stuff like that. And what our platform does is it just tells you what's actually happening in your business. And what's cool about it is that from your perspective, you just train the managers to use the platform when they're supposed to use it. And then you control the checklist. You and your executive team control the checklist. And then if you want to change a procedure, you just change a checklist, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, now the, now the new procedure is, did you throw this away? Yes. Okay. Weigh it first. Or take a picture of it in the trash. Like a lot of times, like in some cases, the picture in the trash is as important, you know, of being, show me that it was actually thrown away, right? Right. That it's not just walking out the back door. Or if it was something like you had the pool because it was bad, I want to see it in the trash to make sure we didn't serve it to anybody. Right. So, you know, but you can control what you guys want them to do. And the nice thing is, is that all that data is already in a platform. So like, for instance, if you wanted to just add up all the waste for the week, then you can just go pull it down into a spreadsheet and it's already in there, you know, and you can just put it some function on it and move on with your day, you know? I like how it's like an organic thing and it can develop. So it's like once you've um, sort of targeted an issue that keeps recurring, then you can just add that to the checklist as a way of dealing. Like that's that's a great yeah. feature of it, yeah. And it's easy. You can do it in three seconds. Hey, this is a problem now. We've identified this as a problem. So let's just add a couple of extra steps in this section. And then maybe we only have those on temporarily, you know? Yeah. And I mean, the the other cool thing about it too, like, yeah, it is, is like, you know, so much of the record keeping, no one keeps record keeping. Like, you know, it's all invoices. Like this other stuff, like preventative maintenance stuff. Like you guys are coming in the summer up in Canada. you got like three weeks of summer coming. You got to get ready. (laughs) So it's like, but you know, like one of the things that you should be doing every year, like around April, right. Or May is you should have a checklist that just runs. that goes, Hey, get the HVAC service. And then you're going to do the same thing again, probably in October when it starts getting cold, let's get the HVAC service, make sure the heat's working good. That's the kind of thing where you can create a checklist like that, get the HVAC service, Okay, and then the checklist literally is what day did the HVAC service get done? Upload a picture of the receipt. Were there any major issues? Type them up for me, you know, whatever. What was the cost? And you can literally just turn that thing on April 1st to April 30th and October 1st to October 31st. You build it one time and then you forget about it. And so you're not sitting there recreating the wheel every time you get like a new thing you need to go do. You literally build it once, schedule it for two months a year. And then it's in there. And then next April 1st, without anyone having to remember, 23, your manager at your restaurant's going to go get your HVAC service. You have until the end of the month. 
Right. And then that guy can schedule it and just get the data, put it in there. Mm-hmm. And then, then when your thing busts, you're not looking for the receipt. Where did the invoice go? What did the guy tell us the problem was? He, the guy took a picture of it and put it in the app. You can go pull every HVAC service you've ever had on that one, you know, HVAC system for that one location and pull the receipts out, look at them, you know? That's amazing. It's like those kinds of things. It's just, it's just we're, we're all, you get, we're all dying of physician decision fatigue like my kids do this to me constantly they just hammer me with questions and questions and questions <laughs> my brain doesn't work anymore and i'm like yeah go play with the gun in the back i don't care you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, nobody told you to have kids tommy <laughs> my wife did <laughs> oh yeah one person did yeah <laughs> uh, no i really i think that's fantastic that and i love how you can just keep adding things to it and it just sucks up all this info for you it's a great tool i got a couple other questions for you about it though one like obviously it would i would be stunned if not you didn't get unbelievable positive feedback from owner operators from management level but i also am very familiar with the industry i've been worked in it for 30 plus years and i'm just wondering what kind of feedback you seem to get or or if you even hear it from like the people on the ground level because i know service staff are just going to be like why do i have to fill out this fucking checklist every day just let me do my job and go home like i know that attitude so i'm like what's the sort of feedback you're getting from that level so the, the the reality is is that the industry so checklists have such a bad reputation in the industry, right? And like yeah. I, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna bullshit anyone. Like I hated doing checklists too, but I hate it. But the reason they have a bad reputation in the industry is because they've always been done on paper. No one ever looks at them, and no one's paying attention to see if they're done at all. So essentially what they are is wasted busy work. Mm. It's just like your commute to the office. It's it's nonsense waste of time mm-hmm. for people because no one ever looks at the data. No one ever compliments me for doing it no. or even knows when I don't do it, right? And that's the failings of paper and especially in big in any kind of chain like you're just too busy doing stuff, right? But with the platform, now the data is usable right? Because we can see it and use it to make better decisions. And that's really the benefit of this whole thing. Number two, millennials in general, they don't want to do anything that's repeatable and they want to have a voice in the company, right? So they actually want to know that they're being heard. Mm -hmm. So it like in that respect, like, you know, you can at least go to them and try to explain the why behind this, right? Is the why is we want the data to make better decisions. Two, we want to make sure that we are taking care of what we need to take care of. Like the thing that we have to remember in the business is this. Probably in your 30 years in the business, you've had one server punch a customer, maybe two. It depends if it's a (laughs) hockey fight or something. But like most of the problems you're having in your restaurants today where you piss off a customer, right? They're not because someone was spitting in their face or trying to choke them out or punch them or told them their wife was ugly. It was because you just... Did you miss doing something that you probably had already identified with something you needed to do, but people can't keep up with the amount of details that they need to be doing today. Our brains have been destroyed by our phones. And like, we just, you know, the, and we don't have the same level of professional that we had in 1990, who was a professional bartender or a professional server. We're rotating people through here constantly and I'm part of the problem too. All these new apps, all the new things they have to check for your, your, you know, your your reservation system, your inventory system, your orders, your DoorDash, your Uber Eats, whatever you have. You know, all these other apps that added all these additional tasks that people have to check. 
And so it's just too much for human beings to keep track of, right? It's too much for the manager. It's too much for the employees. And we're missing the little things, the things that just irritate people. Like, you know, you get an iced tea and it's the first iced tea of the shift and there's no ice in the glass because the tea's so hot because no one made it early enough. You know what I mean? It's just, those are little things that like, they don't, they don't break that one little thing. Isn't going to wreck your experience. But when you get 20 of them, mm -hmm. because people just weren't focused or paying attention or the manager was stressed because the dishwasher was busted and they were trying to get a repairman out there ASAP, then they missed 10 different little things. And all of a sudden, you know, you just have a lesser experience and then you have three lesser experiences in a row because people aren't organized and guess what you have now I'm altering my decision to return. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to come. I come once a month. Now I'm going to take a month off. You know what I mean? And heaven forbid in that month off, I go find your competitor. That's doing a great job. And now I might start going there more often. Right. You know? And, and so it's, it's death by a thousand cuts. That's the hospitality industry. It is. yeah. And so, and so there's just too many little details. So we just got to get, we got to get people to understand that why would you try to remember any of this? You don't need to. It's a stupid waste of your time. It's like you don't remember anyone's phone number anymore. Use a tablet, use a phone, go just follow the little list and just confirm that the bathroom's clean, that there's toilet paper, that you know, you cut the carrots correctly, that you got a backup of of you know lettuce under your burger station. So we don't have to like run to the back and chop lettuce on the line while the burgers get overcooked. You know what I mean? Like Let's just control what we can control so we can deliver great experiences. Because let's be honest, the general public are a bunch of babies right now and they have way too much power <laughs> and they're going to like, they're going to nail you, man. They're going to oh, get yeah. online and they're complain about how the lettuce wasn't cut correctly and the burger was dry. And, yeah. You know. Well, it's, yeah. So basically the app in a nutshell just takes a shitload of stress and concern off your plate and just yes. makes it very easy. Like it's, it's just in there. It's very simple. You follow a list. And yeah. and and then all the data is available to, which is amazing. Um, yeah. I do want to uh, sort of talk a little to you a little bit more about your personal situation. But sure. do you have any questions about the app before we yeah, like, move on? Is, is it hard? To actually, yeah. Obviously, it relies on a lot of human input. Do people sometimes just go through the list and just check it off just for the sake oh, of yeah. checking stuff off? Yeah. They right. pencil whip the shit out of that thing. Yeah. Uh, but that's okay because we track that. Right. Oh, okay. So I, like, I look at all the data that we collect as there's no bad data in here. It's all just the reality of what is happening at our store right now. And instead of like, and so now it gives the GM or you, the owner operator of both restaurants, it gives you something to actually coach somebody on that's real. You know, so many times, like, especially like in big, bigger chain situations too, the guy's not in the restaurant once every like a month. Right. So then he comes in, he sees one thing wrong and he just harps on that for the, like the next three hours. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, well, if you had the poster, right. And the person's like, hey, dude, we fixed it. It's like the TPS reports in office space. I've already <laughs> fixed it. It's not a problem, yeah, you yeah. Know, but they just keep harping on it. Whereas this provides you with actual data that you can look at and coach people out and coach them in a timely manner and coach them from not your opinion, but like, look, you did that line check in 38 seconds, man. There's no, you know, yeah. you can't tell me those are real temperatures, right? Like right. you just, so why did you do that? Well, then you find out the dishwasher, no called, no showed. And that guy's been back doing pots and he knew he was going to get in trouble if he didn't do the checklist. So he just went and did it incorrectly, but then you go, okay. So 
I understand why you did that, but we we just needed to like, you could have as a better manager, given it to your team and let them go right. do it correctly. And then we would add safe temps, right? Because, you know, and, and but you just have an ability to coach now because yeah. you have actual data and you can reward the people that are doing great. And you can coach the people that aren't doing great. And you can get everybody on the same page, you know, because everyone's going to do the path of least resistance and the path of least resistance. Once you're following up in a timely manner is to do stuff correctly. Right. You know, well, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, it's obviously sure. you're a data driven person, like, and, and this all makes a whole lot of sense to me. Certainly I can see the massive benefit if you're running a chain of restaurants, like yeah. it sounds amazing. So how did you get, come up with this idea? How did you get into it? What's your background? Sure. How do we get to where we are with uh, your company today? Sure. So I'm a hotel restaurant guy. I started at 14. My mom took me to the Columbia mall in Maryland and I got a job making cheesesteaks at like a cheesesteak place. And I just always was going to, I'm a hospitality guy. Like I'm Puerto Rican and Greek. Right. Mm. So like I used to have a joke that like, you know, I was conceived in the dish pit of a restaurant but, um, <laughs> but because like, you know, it's probably a diner somewhere. I don't know. But, but my parents were both tech people. So my grandparents were both immigrants who owned restaurants, both my Puerto Rican grandfather from New York and my Greek grandfather from North Carolina were both uh, immigrants to the country, started their families here and did restaurants. And then my parents saw how hard restaurants were to run. So they went into tech and it had nothing to do with restaurants. And then, you know, at 14, I like wanted to cook and just wanted to go get a job and just started my hospitality career then. I have a hotel restaurant degree from uh, the University of Denver, which my sweatshirt has on there. Mm-hmm. And then um, I got out. I was doing country clubs. I was really into country clubs at the time. And then like two months into that gig, I was like, this sucks. I should do stand-up comedy. And uh, <laughs> my, I know. And my friend was like, you should. You don't want to be 40 with kids and a wife and a mortgage in the suburbs and then regret you didn't do stand-up when you had a chance. And I was like, you know what? I should. And so like three weeks later, I went on stage, did stand up, like fell in love with that immediately, like on that stage the first night, I was like, I got to be a stand-up comedian. And uh, so I spent like the next 10 years just doing stand-up the whole time. But then I worked in hospitality because that's what you do, right? I waited tables. I mean, and I, you know, I worked like one of the busiest PF Changs, which is like a Chinese chain down here. But I also like waited tables at like a Dick's Last Resort, which is in Chicago, where, you know, you get to yell at the people and make fun of them and like just be crazy. Yeah, I did a little bit of everything. I worked in comedy clubs. I did stand up. And then like in 2005, I was really tired of being broke and I was getting older and I was like, I need a couch and health insurance, you know, like I got to make some changes. And uh, so I went back and got an MBA. And then um, I got a job at Quiznos, which I think there's still some Quiznos in Canada. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I got a job there running the franchise assistance program, which was like the worst job ever in 2008 when the, the U.S. economy collapsed. And um, and so and that was also the start of the Quiznos implosion. And so I got that job, which was brutal. That was like my second MBA. And then I got promoted and I had to build... I was in op services for this, like we still had 5,000 restaurants, roughly a little bit less. And so they wanted me to figure out a way to report on all the audits we were doing on the restaurants. So I tried to, I tried to get IT to get us a software platform and they wouldn't do it, didn't have any money. So I ended up building my own version of this, uh, early version of this like uh, 2008 web phone where you could do like an inspection. 
And that was the beginning of the idea for Ops Analytica. I left Quiznos, got a tech job, and then uh, had an opportunity to try to build this thing out at that tech job. And I did. And then in 2015, we started Ops Analytica and then rebuilt everything. So that's how we kind of got here. So I'm an operator who is some software you know, experience. Yeah, so it's kind of the perfect storm for doing what you did, sort of the, the hospitality and the tech background, which makes a lot of sense to how you developed this program. Um, yeah. Uh, so what's, so with regards to reaching, I mean, I know you're doing a podcast, you're probably going to, you're yeah. probably doing a bunch of podcasts, but like, like what's your, what's your marketing strategy of sort of reaching more uh, franchises or restaurants or, or, or anyone you're interested in doing business with? What's your strategy there? <laughs> I need some ideas. <laughs> uh, you know what? We have taken the position of uh, hopefully being thought leaders. And so we are kind of a content-driven marketing company. I've written probably 300 plus like original blogs. I've recorded, I think I'm on like episode 89 of my own podcast where I interview operators and we'll chat about that after we wrap this up. Mm-hmm. And then... But we've really gone with a content strategy from a marketing perspective of just trying to like unpack all of this stuff, right? Because like nobody's really thinking about like, it's it's really, it's, the hospitality industry is so interesting because we've never had the ability to really easily manage the actual operations, especially when you have multiple units. One unit is different. though. So, I have a single unit operator who's been with me for years. They're Commander's Palace in New Orleans. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they probably do 10 million a year. You know, yeah. so like they're a huge family-owned operation. They have four dining rooms, white tablecloth service, you know, weddings, that kind of thing. Like they're huge. For them, they're almost like a multi-unit operator right. because they're so big and they Just have so much going building. on. Yeah. 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 But I've had like a, you know, I've had a couple diners here and there you know, some smaller operations, but like, so we just tried to take this leadership rule with around content and trying to unpack what, why this is important because everybody is so comfortable not having backing into what's actually happening. Right. And like, but you go to the great restaurant companies, like the top 20% restaurant companies, and they have a culture of excellence, Right. And of systems and of excellence, and in that's all. And they, those companies shift over time. Like someone's hot for a while, and then they're not, or whatever happens, right? But there's always that top twenty percent that are the most successful. They make eighty percent of the profits in in the space, and they are systems driven, process driven operators who pay attention to detail and then seemingly do it effortlessly, right? And we've all seen those com- those restaurants that are never not busy and they're and they never miss anything you know you go there at once a year once every three months and you go in and every time it's just great mm-hmm. well that's because they're doing they're controlling what they need to control right they're not getting bogged down with everything else that's happening in the world they're just focusing on is the bathroom clean did we prep this correctly is this taste right did we cook it properly you know what i mean it's just amazing to watch those guys operate and and that's what my platform's trying to make accessible to all restaurant operators because you're not always you know there's only so many amazing managers right mm-hmm. we got to take but we can we can make up for the deficiencies and talent with better systems and processes and the biggest pet peeve that i have in the world is that people just like 
they don't control what they're supposed to control in their own environment. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. That just drives me nuts. Well, so. and the, the one thing I will say is that in my years in the business have taught me more than anything is that the app, like you can create the best vibe in the world. You can have yeah. the best playlist. You can have the best hamburgers. You can have the best cocktails. Yeah. But the, the thing that matters more, the best staff, but the thing that matters the most is consistency. It has to be the yes. same every time your guests come there. And it seems like this is an amazing tool to make that a lot easier for you. Yeah, and I don't think I even actually answered your last question, so I apologize. Yeah. That's okay. That's all right. It's a free-flowing show. Okay, well, talk to us. Like, where can owner-operators find your app? How much does it cost sure. to sign up? Yeah. Give us the give us the nitty-gritty. Sure. So if you were to buy the rack rate one location, it's going to be 34 U.S. a month. Okay. So like a buck a day, basically. Nothing. Yeah, there's an implementation package that we highly recommend you do, but you don't have to, but where we will take all of your checklists and set everything up for you perfectly and just hand you over a like ready to go, you're done, uh, take it and, and go and be successful with it, like implementation. And then it goes on for 90 days. So we build in plenty of time for you to iterate through and figure out, okay, you know, I don't like how this checklist works. Let's change this, this, and this, and get some feedback from your uh, customers or from your, you know, your employees. And what I recommend too, just as a side note, if anyone is interested in listening to this, you know, you're going to be tempted to, now that you're getting, finally going to get some control and visibility and data to go overboard on day one. And what we'll do is we try to build everything on day one, but then what we want to do is just kind of turn it all off and let people make that sort of change management decision, you know, and get people comfortable using the platform and then start turning things on like on week two and three. Mm -hmm. Here's what happens, right? And this is just something that everyone should be aware of. Nobody's doing your paper checklist correctly today. So like they can (laughs) get them done in a minute, but now you're coming in and saying, not only can you not do this in a minute, but you have to do it between this time frame that you're probably not used to doing it at. So it, it requires your team to kind of like, reorganize their shift in a way where they can now fit this thing in at the time we're saying we you need to do it because part of the whole process right is that doing a line check where you're tasting food and temping things it only makes sense right before you go to like the rush right right before you open for service you like i don't want someone to come in at 9 a.m and bang out like checklists all day and then smoke a cigarette and drink some coffee and then, you know, I want them to do it actually at 1030 when it impacts my business and I can correct my mistakes, right. you know? So, so I would just put that out there. And so you can get it. You can check us out at opsanalytica.co. It's O-P-S-A-N-A-L-I-T-I-C-A.co. Well, I'll tell you something funny about that, that stupid logo too. So we have Ops Analytica as our <laughs> logo, but then LinkedIn, like, at the time it was, it's a, you know, it's a rectangle and LinkedIn does a square. And so it would center the logo on the square and it would say anal. (laughs) 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 On all of our posts for like Uh, a good year before we figured it out. (laughs) But it's Ops Analytica. I'd be interested to know the data on when you got, whether you got more or less action during that time, but <laughs> we had, we had a lot of wasted demos. Yeah. Well, this is not what I thought it was going to be at all. Come on, why are you wasting my time here? Uh, well, it's, I think the product sounds great, Tommy. We appreciate you coming on the show. Is there anything you want to promote on social media for our guests where they can find you personally or the, or Ops Analytica? 
Yeah, check out, um, come and check me out on LinkedIn and just reach out and say hi and ask any questions, man. I'm just like, my role is like, uh, is very blessingly as we continue to grow, uh, my role is really evolving into, um, I'm trying to find new use cases for the platform. Mm -hmm. So even if you're not in the hospitality space, you got some other company, but you have a lot of repeatable processes, you got a lot of people doing a lot of things and you just want to button it up and get some data, reach out to me, man. I would love to chat with you and figure stuff out. And if you just have some restaurant questions, like how this could work in your restaurant, I'll show you a demo. Like we're, we truly just want to take care of people because like, it's so hard to sell, like just in general, selling anything, getting people to move and take action for their business is so hard that we just want to do such a good job for you guys. Because once you're in, you, you just love the product and you know, it'll just, it is morph with your business. And you know, you'll be happy and you won't go anywhere. And then we all win. So. Thank, well, thanks, Tommy. It's super interesting. And you're a, you're a fascinating guy. So thanks for coming <laughs> on the show. We appreciate it. I really appreciate it, guys. Take care. Thanks very much. All right. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Tommy. And as mentioned, check out the show notes for all the links to contact Tommy on LinkedIn and opsanalytica.co. And stay tuned for our next segment with Yelena Anter. Okay. And so for the second part of our episode this week, we are starting our now a monthly visit with our old friend, Yelena Anter. How are you, Elena? Hey, guys. It's great to be back. Yeah, this is exciting. This is the new thing. So every four weeks now, we'll be joined by Yelena. We're going to talk about some funny stuff in, during her career and ours. The other thing that we'd like to announce is that if you guys have questions for any of us, myself, Dan, or Yelena, you should email us at info at the industry club, and we'll be doing periodic mailbag episodes with Yelena. She's the most fascinating person you're ever going to talk to. So yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure you can have some questions for her. If you say so. So. <laughs> so welcome to this new partnership, Yelena. Thanks for being a part of the Industry Podcast. We're good now. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks for joining I'm the show I'm super excited to be a part of this. You um, really fucked yourself over. <laughs> oh, I, I bet, I bet. We'll take a lot of whiskey, right? <laughs> so the other thing that we're gonna, we were just talking about before we start recording is Yelena and I will also be at Tales of the Cocktail, and we are reaching out to anyone who is also going to be there. We'll, we'll get the dates to you, the specific dates that I'm going to be there, at least when we have confirmed them. But essentially, we're going to be doing little pop-up interviews with people from the industry at Tales of the Cocktail, just short little interviews. Elena and I are going to be walking around drinking and talking to people. Harassing <laughs> <So, laughs> <So>, people. <laughs> yeah. So if you are a listener and you're in the industry and you're going to be at the Tales of the Cocktail, DM us at the Industry Podcast on Instagram and let us know that you're going to be there uh, and we'll arrange a time to meet you. But let's get to our, our episode here. And so what we, one thing we were thought it would be funny to talk about with you in our first little Return of Yelena episode. Because you had worked at the casino and at Hooters and stuff, we thought that it would be funny to <laughs> talk to you about maybe about some of the stories of some creepy dudes trying to hit on you. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then maybe what kind of advice you would give to people who listen to our uh, show about how to uh, fend them off. Or not, if they don't want to. Or, or not. <laughs> yeah. if, the, if the creepy dude happens to be hot and rich, one yeah. yeah. not what, keep what, him. What's the problem? <laughs> what's the problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, I had to, like, my brain automatically erases all the, like, the, the I guess, the scary stories. But I had yeah, to, sure. like, think <laughs> back and 
like figure out what were the most interesting ones. And I guess I have quite a few. So I guess let's start with Hooters, right? Yeah. Let's start with Hooters. And that was my first job in the industry as a server, though. I got hired on the, like, literally just had an interview and they're like, okay, try this, the uniform. And they hired me, which I never been in the service industry before. I barely turned 21 at that time. And the first creepy dude was the the manager. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> who hired me, who was trying to hit on me. But uh, so it's all good. I was there for just a hot second. So that environment wasn't necessarily the necessarily the, the best for me. But I guess the story from that environment was the this father and son team. Oh, nice. <laughs> 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 Who was trying to pick me up and so the so the this two, you know, two guys having lunch and the the younger guy, like super, super young, like I don't even know if he was it was well, Hooters, you don't have to be 21 to dine there, right? Right. But he's like definitely flirting with me, but and he's definitely a lot younger than me. <laughs> and I think I said something to the effect, like, I, I mean, don't you think you like I'm a little too old for you? And he's like, No, I'm actually actually like trying to hook you up with my dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then, I mean, <laughs> that was an interesting interesting pickup line <laughs> and so how many how many years were you married to his dad <laughs> um, no <laughs> so that no that that was that was funny actually that was kind of cute yeah that's right. that's, that's sort of an adorable story <laughs> when you so, were at, sort of <laughs> when you were at the casino though because i remember when uh, for anyone who hasn't checked out yelena's full episode that's the first thing you should be doing you should probably just stop listening right now go <laughs> into the archives listen to that whole episode get that's, caught up a little bit but that's episode 103 there you go um but it's my lucky when, number, one <laughs> <laughs> when you uh, when you worked at the casino and you were doing in that sort of more high rollers room and you were I'm, I'm going to get the costume a little bit wrong, but you had to wear like a sort of almost like a bikini and a headdress. Oh, yeah, I wore it all. Yeah. Well, OK, so that was you. OK, you think you're talking about the, the dealer tainer. Yes, yeah. it's basically a G string, yeah. uh, a little like sparkly bra. I'll send you guys the photo <laughs> for your eyes, for your eyes only, and uh, and the headdress, mm-hmm. like kind of like typical typical showgirl Vegas showgirl, but like a lot less less right. coverage. So yeah, and so and yeah, I was going watching- on stage like every every hour. <laughs> right, so on stage <laughs> dancing, which is not something you're trained for, or <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then and then you also have to go around and serve drinks to the people gambling, correct? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, so there's got to be some crazy stories from that period, like of dudes trying to hit on you. Uh, dudes, only you only interested in dudes. Oh, women too. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, that was very misogynistic of me. Of yeah. course, Let's you're you're an equal opportunity flirter. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there was the, the the kind of creepy story, and I was very I was young. I was you know probably twenty twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, and very naive. Again, back to the episode one hundred three, coming from. Uh, basically a farm in Russia where everybody knows everyone very very naive so I have um I got this like really like an interesting couple a girl and a guy and you can tell the girl is probably hired 
mm-hmm. right? She was, she's probably like a, like an escort girl and they, you know, they, they're fun. They giving me money, they tip in really well and they, you know, they, they kind of like being flirty and I'm very flirty as well. So maybe I just gave them the wrong idea to begin with. Right. Maybe I just prov- <laughs> me actually looking back, I think I provoked a lot of that behavior, a lot of the creepy <laughs> behavior myself. Yeah. I'm very friendly, very uh, flirty. So, um, and I don't even remember how it all, all went down, but basically the girl asked me if I wanted to play unicorn. I don't know. And I had no idea whatsoever. Okay, good. What, I thought I was just... what the heck she was talking about. <laughs> I had no idea. And I literally like, you know, I, I was just trying to just to be friendly and happy and yay, like whatever customer wants. And I'm yeah. like, sure, how do you do that? <laughs> now you guys know what it refers to, right? No. Oh man, what did I? I just opened the can of worms. Well, can we you, go to like, the next question? No, nope, you're down this rabbit hole now. Man. You got to finish it. <laughs> I, I, I oh, got geez. an idea where this might be going with the, with the big eunuch on the top of the head there. Oh, so, uh, I totally stepped into this one. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me take a sip of my. <laughs> mm. Anyway, not that I really know a lot about that industry, but I guess it's just. Um, this couple, they were looking for another girl to play with. Mm-hmm. And that's, they were looking for a unicorn, a single girl who would play with a couple. Oh, okay. Like, well, that's, a, that's not as bad as I thought it was yeah. going to be. <laughs> no, I didn't have to. Well, I did not participate in unicorn games. <laughs> Full disclosure. <laughs> you wanted creepy stories. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Okay, so, so what do you no. what do you do in that situation? Like though, like and this is some advice for people. Some like let, let's make this educational for our. Uh-huh. Let, let's do that. Uh, yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> what do you do? Uh, like, what do you do to fend them off? Because part of your job as a server is to be friendly with the guests, mm-hmm. and it, it's a time old tale that like creepy old guys and women as well, I guess, will take that the wrong way and think, oh, just like the guy who thinks the stripper's in love with him. That happens to be a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But they all are when you're Yes, they are. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you do like to then like without offending them, just make it clear that you're not interested and you're just there to serve them? You run, you run away. <laughs> well, oh, okay. okay. So that's so, what I would have First done, of all, right? so ima- imagine me with this super heavy accent, like <laughs> didn't know what was going on. First of all, didn't know what they were proposing. Uh, so, I, you know, luckily I was a cocktail waitress. So I wasn't stuck behind the bar. I was making my rounds. I was mm. moving around a lot. That, right. That's my saving grace, I guess. And I went behind the bar and I asked my bartenders, well, this, Here's the situation. This couple, this is what they asked me. What does it mean? So luckily somebody knew what it meant and they explained (laughs) it to me. And then I said, "Uh, I'm taking a a break, a 30 minute break. (laughs) Somebody cover my station. Yeah. Um, So I literally like I I ran away from that particular one. Yeah. No good. No good advice. But but if you're stuck behind um, a bar, what do you do? Oh, man, I don't know. 
don't you usually have like a bartender, a bar bag or somebody mm. to rescue you? That's pretty much all. Um, that's all you got, huh? Like hey, this. Is, uh, yeah, out of curiosity, when you got hired for this job, does, does management say anything about like the situations you might come into, or do they just kind of say, "Hey, man, you're hired"? Oh Best hell no. Yeah. No, you, I mean, if you remember my story, they hired me, they're like, try this outfit on and okay, you're going to be a bartender. We're going to pay you this much, but don't tell anybody how much we're paying you. And that that's me turning 21 without a, a knowledge of even what goes in rum and coke. Right. Like, yeah. I think it was rum and coke that goes in rum and coke, but yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all I knew. You, you nailed so, it. That, so that, that was, I nailed the rum and coke. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh that's that's the management uh, back in the day at the place that i used to work at like at the place i used to work at we didn't have champagne for example so we served white like draft wine with a splash of club soda that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> that offends my delicate wine sensibility. <laughs> that was your uh, champagne. Uh, although it does sound like something I could sell cheaper yeah. at Babylon Sisters. <laughs> no, no one probably ever sent it back. I bet you can. No, everyone yeah. loved it, right? Yeah. Right thing at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. If they didn't like champagne, we have Chablis. Oh, you guys have French Chablis? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I, I think I told you I dating myself, but that was, you know, literally 20, 21 years, 20 years ago, 20 right. years ago. And that's back in the day where wine was on the, on tap, on the gun. On the on gun? The gun. Oh, on the gun. Yeah. We've had the, the white wine on the gun and like red wine, <laughs> oh, white uh, wine on the gun. And you mix them together that. if they wanted rosé. Oh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and you uh, add a splash of club soda to <laughs> the, the white wine to make it champagne. <laughs> that is, see, this is why we have, <laughs> this is why you're a recurring guest now. <laughs> and not even a guest anymore, part of the show. But, <laughs> but <laughs> these, these are the stories we need, Yelena. That's the best thing ever. I'm going to, Totally get those guns installed at my wine bar. <laughs> <laughs> the, the newest, the newest invention, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that I know, it's that, that easy. <laughs> Make your own wine. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about cocktail vision before we let you go. This is how we're going to do these things: short little spots once a month with Elena, uh, funny stories, and then we're going to talk a little cocktail vision because uh, you've always got new shit coming down the pipe. So. Uh, I know you mentioned last time we spoke. I don't know if you're well ready to like break this stuff on an episode yet uh, about the new product you have coming out yet, or the, the lickable rim. Yeah, let's save it for the next month. Okay, save it for it's when it's the, ready to the roll. The lickable, drippable rims that leave you <laughs> licking all night long. <laughs> all right, well, stay tuned for that one. <laughs> we haven't got a name for it yet, so that's uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, you I should guarantee out- for it to be delicious. There you go. Uh, and we, I should have been fucking around with some of the products that Elena sent to me. They're pretty awesome. We've been using the glitter and the glue for the the, the rim glue. The rim glue. Yeah, it's all yep, awesome stuff. And so, as always, we'll plug this at the end of your visit with us. Where does everyone find your products? Uh, you can definitely find it on Cocktail That Vision Instagram and Shop Cocktail That Vision, as well as ChefRubber.com. Okay. ChefRubber.com. Perfect. Uh-huh. All right, Elena. Thanks as always, and we'll see you in four weeks. Sounds good, you guys. 